So we believe this. Uh, we believe that God is a generational God. When he speaks uh, all throughout scripture, he even brings into remembrance the legacy of people who have followed him and sacrificed for him. And I believe that call is still in our lives today. You know, we aren't called to just make sure we get it right for ourselves. We're called to leave a legacy. We're called to make a lasting difference. And so we have this tagline that says, uh, outlive your life. Like, what are we doing? What are we investing? What are we planting in this earth and in the kingdom that's going to outlive us? Let's be eternally minded that um, it's more than just what we can build here it's about what God wants to build, and he's a generational God. And so when we talk about our legacy offering, uh, we actually say this. It is for something outside of here. Uh, our legacy offering isn't so we can hire a new staff member or do something. All of the funds that we uh, receive in the legacy offerings are always turned in giving to something that's going to outlive and outlast us. Uh, we just believe that, you know, God takes that and, and blesses it, and as we just give it back out, he, he multiplies it. He puts his hand on it. And so everything that you give, I just want you to know as you pray about it, it's not for a staff salary. It's not so that we can pay for printer paper. All of that stuff, as you'll hear me say, is already in, outlined in our budgets. This is, hey, God, these are some things that you've put in front of us that we want to be able to tackle and conquer, and we believe that we can do it if we all just stretch and bring an offering and make a sacrifice, and then God just blows the doors open and we see amazing things happen, amen? And so today I want to talk to you about just this idea of where we are as a church. Uh, in October, my wife and I just, we went to California and uh, we partnered uh, with a church planting organization called ARC. And they, they gave us the data and leadership on how to plant a church. And so uh, every year they have a conference and you go back and it's sort of a family reunion for church planners. And so we went down there and we sat at the conference and we listened and we heard uh, this church, this, this church. And the biggest thing that I always leave from those going, I leave those situations going, man, we, Vertical Church, is in such a miracle. Like every Sunday when we get to come in here and we get to put our hand to the things that we put our hand to, not just statistically compared to other churches our age, statistically just compared to churches, we are in a miracle. We are so blessed to see God's hand on this church. But I don't go, oh, look how great of a job I'm doing. I don't go, oh, look how great of a job the staff is doing. I don't take that and go, oh, look how great of a job the volunteers are doing, even though you all are. I look at that and I think this, to whom much is given, much is required. It's great that God has blessed us and advanced us to this point. I'm so thankful for where he's positioned us and postured us, but I have the understanding that he's put us here for a purpose. Amen? And so I believe that we're so thankful, we're so grateful that we got here, but it's for a reason. It's for us to not just lay back and find neutral and just be happy with the way things are. God wants to see us advance what he's been given us, amen? That's why the scripture says we go from glory to glory, or he says it's his prayer that we should abound more and more. And that's not like a shakedown of people. Like, oh, we just got to tell him to do more because, no, that's God's design is he said, I came to give you life and give it to you better. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. Why? Because when you get to a good place, God wants you to get to a gooder place. Are you with me? 
because that's how God works. He's saying, like, we, I can do more, and I can do better, and I can do better, amen, because that's how God works. And so we are a church that says, hey, we're not okay with neutral. We're not okay with comfortable. We're not okay with lukewarm. We want to be people who find a way to sacrifice and bring an offering and make room for God to do what? Do more, amen? And so that's where we are as a church. I believe that we're here on purpose, designed by God for a purpose. Are you with me? You are here on purpose for a purpose. You've been blessed and you've been given a resource on purpose by God for a purpose. And so we say, God, we're so grateful. We're so thankful. I'm going to take what I've been given and I'm going to find room and I'm going to make more room and I'm going to give up some things and I'm going to sacrifice some things. Why? Because when we give up some room and sacrifice some things in our life, it allows for what? More of God. God, I'm going to make some more space for you. I'm going to give up this, and I'm going to sacrifice this to you because I'm trying to make more room for more God. Amen? And so that's what we believe here as a church. The scripture says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses talking about heaven. Notices, I notice that the witnesses are in heaven. The spectator people are those that are in heaven which means us here on earth are not called to be the spectators. We're called to be the laborers. We're called to move some things and change some things so that we can be a people to make a difference. You say, well, no, we're called to, you know, cheer each other on and be witnesses to, yes. We're called to cheer each other on, the scripture says, toward good works. We get to be the witnesses and the spectators and the watchers when we get to heaven. But right now here on earth, God has designed you for a purpose, amen? And so that's what legacy is about. It's saying, hey, I realize that my life is designed by God on purpose, for a purpose, and I'm going to live my life in a way that I'm not a spectator. I'm not a sitbacker. I'm somebody who pushes things forward because God has made me able to do that. I believe this. The scripture says we have the good news, right? We have the good news, and in our lives, we have the good news. God's changed my life. We have the good news. But the good news is meant to be shared with as many as possible. And I know we haven't reached as many as possible. We can do more. We can sacrifice more. We can make arrangements in our life to be able to give more so that we can reach more. Amen? I'll show you this picture that I brought. It's of our outreach center. You've heard us talk about, this is just in the other end of the building. Uh, Here's how awesome you are and God is. Uh, The team, as we started to partner with Hand to Hand, uh, which was a, is a grocery assistance program for kids in need, uh, we said, hey, uh, we have an amazing opportunity to get this space, and it's the right time for us to partner with the ministry, uh, but we're just going to kind of start it. Let's just try it out. Let's just get it going, and then we'll start talking about it uh, in Legacy because our, one of the things for Legacy is we believe we want to just make a huge impact with this outreach center. We wanna, there's only 70 to 90 uh, churches involved, but there's all of this need in all of our schools. And so we can do more. We believe we can do more. We're going to stretch. We're going to do more. So we say, hey, let's just, let's just kind of start it. Let's, let's not really talk about it a lot. We'll, we'll save it for the thing. But what you're looking at here is a max capacity full outreach center already. Okay, right? Yeah, give it up. That. So... so What I'm saying here is, you guys are so amazing, and what God is doing is so amazing, is before we've even really taken the lid off it, we've already maximized and met the potential of just the few schools that we're in. 
I'm showing you this picture because I'm trying to show you the need that there's so much more. This is before we've even tried. This is before, and, and I'm not minimizing anybody's effort that has got it to this. They've made an incredible effort. But what I'm saying is we haven't even thrown the net yet. We haven't even said, hey, church, let's throw the net. Let's go, because there are kids that, that need us. This is just a small sample, and we've already maxed out a room. We need to do more. So if I'm you, I'm sitting here, and I'm saying, okay, well, why can't the church just do more? You know, why can't the church just handle that? Why can't we meet the need of everything? And the truth is the need is bigger than the resource. Uh, now, just so you know, this is how the church governs uh, our finances. And I'm just trying to show you the whole picture without boring you about bylaws. But here's how we're set up as a church. Our church finances work like this. 35, and this is in our legal bylaws. We can't exceed this number. So we, we just believe through our experiences, this is the healthiest way to govern a church financially. 35% of all of our income, 35% of the income can be spent on staff and salary, uh, what you can spend on salaries and people's income. Uh, the national average is in the 50%, okay? So we run at a 35%. Uh, what we've seen through our church planting leadership coaching Churches that say, oh, if we just spend a lot of our income on staff, we'll have a great staff, we'll be able to do a lot of things, and they spend all their money just on hiring, and they don't have the money to minister. And so all their money is just spent, they don't have any money to meet the need and make a difference. And so 35% of our income, that's it. We cap it right there. Not the national average, 50%. We say 35%. Why? Because we want to be able to meet the need of people. So the other percentage breakdown that we have is 35% of our income can be spent on facilities. So essentially what we rent, our rent here at, at this space. Uh, the way that it works here is we're so blessed to be in this building. Uh, most churches that are new start in a movie theater or a school. And uh, the problem with that is they only get those spaces on a Sunday. And they have to load everything in and load it all out, and then that's it. We're so blessed here to come in under what most people pay for a school or a movie theater, and we get most of our space permanent all throughout the week to make a reoccurring difference. Okay, you with me? So 35%, we say we're capping it there. We're going to make the limit there. The national averages, a lot of churches end up in the 50% on facility. They have this idea, if, if we build the building, people will come. And maybe you've been a part of a church where that's happened. They've spent a lot of money on the facility or the church, and then they didn't have the money to meet the needs of people in the community, and they had this big building. And so we say, hey, 35%. My background is I've had that experience. I've been on staff at churches where they overspent on facility, and it was time to make a decision to do things in our community. We said we can't because we don't have the funding uh, because we've overspent on a facility. So we believe it's a healthy margin to be 35, 35. So that puts us at 70% uh, percent right there. And then what the other thing we do is 10% of everything we bring in as a church, we tithe. We give outside of here. Uh, the reason that's a big number is because a lot of churches don't tithe their income. They say their ministry expenses is a tithe. They say, hey, well, we, you know, we gave to to this ministry area in the church, and that's like tithing. We say, no, uh, we believe that just as God calls us to tithe, we as a church need to give outside of ourselves. So 10% right off the top, we give back into church planting and other different ministry organizations uh, when the need comes. So that's in our, we tithe 10%. And then the remaining 20% is our, is our operational ministries. So we buy coffee, we buy banners, 
crayons, paper, all the things that we do to function in the ministry is all locked in. Why did I share all of that with you? I shared all of that with you to say this. We have governed ourselves as a church to be in a position to maximize the opportunity of meeting the needs in our community. We run a lean staff salary. We run a lean operational facility budget. Why? So that we can maximize the output of a church instead of the input. Are you with me? What's beautiful about our church is we say, hey, maximum output, maximum output. And then we take this legacy offering and we take all of that and we don't keep it for ourselves. We also then give that away into something that's above and beyond what we could handle in our normal budget. I'm telling you, this is a miracle grow formula for your investment. You want to see God bless your life? You want to see God make a difference? You want to see God throw open a door for you? Invest in something that is being given. And you can use all the scriptures about proper ground and making a difference, all that kind of stuff. I, I share these finances with you for you to be able to see. Listen, everything you give is our heart to be able to stick right back into meeting the needs of people. Amen? You with me? And so there's this amazing sort of rundown in the book of Isaiah. I'll share it with you in my last 10 minutes, and then we'll take up our offering. Uh, you see in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, that whole scripture, uh, that whole chapter there begins to describe uh, what it looks like for Jesus dying on the cross and coming and saving us uh, from our sin and all that. That's all lined out. But then you see at this time in culture, uh, Israel was very defeated. Uh, if you looked at everything, it was anything but victory at this time in their life. There's darkness, there's corruption everywhere, there's famine, there's injustice. It seemed like the church was declining and becoming irrelevant. Can anybody relate to that? It's a dark time, it's a stressful time, it's, a, it's an agonizing time, and it looks like the church is dwindling. But then you see in the very next chapter, there's a call through the prophet to do this. In Isaiah 54, he says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. And then it says this, lengthen your cords and strengthen the stakes. What is he saying? Look, I know it's dark. I know you feel defeated. I know it's not looking good in your culture. But the response to that is to make an effort to get bigger and to do more strengthen your stakes. Make sure you position yourself to be secure. Enlarge the place of your tent. And then it says, it says, don't hold back. So it doesn't look good. It doesn't, it looks dark. It looks like we're declining. What's our response to that? The response to that is get ready to open up. Because in the darkness, in the corruption, in the injustice is actually going to cause great need for people to run to the light. So we need a bigger tent. We need a bigger outreach center, right? We need to be able to open our arms bigger to our community. Amen? All throughout that, the prophet says things like, sing, declare, wake up, O sleeper, invest in what God is doing. Why? Because it helps us meet the need of people. We stretch and expand and enlarge for more of God. And then in Isaiah 55, there's all these terms that read like this. Come, all who are thirsty. Come to the waters. You who have no money, come. Give an ear, come and listen to me, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love. Seek the Lord and he may be found. Call on him while he is near. We as a people are stretching so that we make more room for people to learn and discover God. And the first thing it says, Jesus died. 
and he's coming, he's going to die, he's going to set us right, as the first chapter. The second one says, hey, all this stuff is going on, it's darkness, and then it says, do what? It says, throw wide, expand, make an effort to be able to do more and give more. Why? Because thirsty people are coming. Because people who don't have money need to come to us. And it's saying people who need to hear the voice of the Lord are going to come to us. And we need to be able to, to receive them. That's why we expand. That's why we give. That's why we don't hold back. Amen? I thought about it like this. Ephesians chapter 1, 20 through 23. I'll just read it to you. This is the message version. It says, all this, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on the throne in a deep heaven. In charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And he shall not just be there for time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Here's what I want you to understand. God is at the center of everything. He knows what kids need in the outreach center. He knows the ministries that are going to be started through our outreach center. He knows the expansions we need to make in kids' ministry and all the different things that we need to do as a church. The scripture says he's at the center of all of that. So why do we even need to give an offering? Why did he even set it up for us as people to make a little room or to make an extravagant amount of room, whatever God leads you to do? Why did he even design it that way for us to be able to make room and to be able to give over? Why would he choose to do that? He's at the center of it all. He controls galaxies and governments. Why are we involved? Because he knows that if we are a people who make room, who trust him, who give sacrificially, every time we give of ourselves that way, it makes more room for him in our lives. Every time you give, you get more God. And so we look at our years and we look at our life and we say, okay, God, I've gotten to this place and it's become comfortable or it's become my track, it's become my routine, but I'm ready to shake things up because I need more of you in my life. He's at the center of it all, but he chooses to use us so it can be the thing that draws us nearer to him. Don't look at this offering as, oh, it's another thing. Oh, those kids, you know, they need some more groceries. Look at it as an opportunity of this is a space that I can get more of God in my life. Amen? It's about what we give to him. We, I love this scripture. It says that the world is peripheral to the church. Uh, one translation of peripheral would be the word situated. The world is situated to the church, not the other way around. Essentially, it's subject to the church. Everything revolves around the church, the body of Christ. So the world's needs, the injustices, all of the things that we say, they're situated to the church because the church has its answer. Are you with me? God's in the center of it all, and the answer comes when we're situated properly with God. So let me ask you, in your hearts, are you situated properly with God? In your schedules, have you situated yourself properly to God? In your resources and finances and when it comes to generosity, have we situated our hearts rightly with God? 
it's a big question for us. And for some of us, legacy will be the time where we say, God, I want to be situated right with you. Tell me what my sacrifice is. And you pray and you ask God and you trust and he does it. Amen. I'll close with this. I thought about this. Stretching uh, is not fun. If you've ever been a runner or an athlete, uh, the thing about stretching is it's kind of the worst part of it. Uh, many people before it, you know, you, you get tight. You've been doing the same thing. Maybe you just exhausted yourself. Maybe you ran. Maybe you did a thing. Uh, some of us were really, really stupid last year, and we tried CrossFit. And uh, it was horrible in the sense that, like, I needed help down the stairs and up the stairs and into my car. And, uh, but stretching, as much as I didn't look forward to it, at the end of it, I was thankful. Why? Because it produced what? More in my life. Before, I couldn't really reach or I couldn't really, but by the time I took the time to sit down and stretch, it freed me up in a way that I was able to do more. That's what God calls us to do with him through things like legacy and serving and other things that we do as a church. We get stuck in our position and the enemy's been doing a great job to the church of getting us complacent and stuck and stiff. And God comes in and says, hey, no, there's things like serving and giving and all these things. They're gonna stretch you. But it's good that they stretch you because after you've been stretched, you go, oh, I feel better. I can do more. I'm more flexible. Look, I can make a bigger difference because I've allowed God to stretch me a little. And that's what this offering becomes is it's us stretching our muscle of giving. Throughout the year, you may be called to stretch your muscle of forgiving somebody or stretch your muscle of praying for somebody. But God calls us to stretch. God calls us, and that's what the scripture says, is it stretch out, expand. Don't hold back. Amen? People always say to me, well, it's easy for some people to give because they have it. You know, they have it. But I'm encouraging you. We all have it somewhere. Uh, I don't have it. Like Jess and I, for us, what we, what we want to do for legacy and what we wanted to do in starting this church we didn't have it, but we had it in our heart. So I'm not telling you to make a bad financial decision, but what I'm telling you to do is if it's in your heart, you have it. You have it. What you get to do is say, God, I'm gonna be obedient, and then watch God come in and, and make up the difference and throw open the heavens and pour you out such a blessing. So we, we look at our lives, and, and I encourage you too, and say, hey, God, we have it in our heart. What do we need to move around to be able to do what you've called us to do? Because all of us have something that we can give, and I pray that you have it in your heart to do something. Uh, and maybe it's not for here. You know, maybe you just say, hope coffee, or you find something. But my encouragement is like, be stretched because it makes more room for God. Amen? Don't hold back. Give all to get all of God. Give all to get all of God. Remember, you're not given to a cause. You're not given to an outreach center. You're not given to anything that the church, you know, decides we're gonna, you're not given to a cause. You're giving to God. The fun part is we get to see the causes and we get to see the life change and we get to see the impact made. But at the end of the day, you're giving to God. I love this. Impossible is where God starts and miracles are what God does. So for you in your life, 
You may look at it and say, I don't know, this might be impossible. God is really telling me to give this amount or to give this or to sacrifice this. I just don't see if it's possible. I just don't see if it's possible. Well, that's awesome because impossible is where God starts and miracles is what God does. And I'm not telling you to be irresponsible, but you'll hear over the next couple weeks, people who made an effort in their heart and then they followed it with an action in their life through legacy last year. And God has done amazing things in their life. You'll hear it over the next couple of weeks, how God has followed up on his scripture about throwing open the windows of heaven on people's life because of what they've done. Two things before we take up our offering, before you leave. We never wanna manipulate people to give. Uh, we, we don't wanna show sad videos of you know, all these kinds of things. And, because that's not how God calls us to give. God calls us to give this way. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What it's saying is, listen, don't let me sway you. Don't let anybody else sway you or don't do it under compulsion or don't do it reluctantly. It says God loves a cheerful giver. What's a cheerful giver? A cheerful giver is somebody who's in their heart is excited about being able to do it. So take the idea, take what we've talked about, even take some time, go and pray about it. We're gonna take these offerings uh, in our three services this Sunday and the next two, uh, you know, Christmas Eve ending. And then you can give all online throughout the whole month of December. But pray about it. Talk to your spouse about it. Pray about it. Think about it. Don't give because I'm saying you give because God spoke you to give and then give cheerfully. Amen? But remember this, the verse before in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says literally what I just said, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's not a manipulating verse. It's like you would say to your kid, hey, just remember, when you get ready to go do this, just remember before you go out there, if you give generously, it's gonna be generous. It's gonna be awesome back to you. But don't go out there and be sparingly because it's gonna be sparingly. So as a heavenly father, he's saying, look, make sure you give generously so that you're gonna get generously. Amen? That's not a manipulating verse. It's a beneficial promise of like, listen, when you give generously, I'm gonna make sure you receive generously. So go home and pray about it and think about it. And some of you, because you've been with us for a little bit, you knew today was coming and you're able to give when we pass the buckets. You can give today. You know, you've already decided in your heart what you can do. Give today. We think that's awesome. Uh, but for the rest of us, uh, maybe you're not ready today, but pray about it. Ask God about it. Seek God about it. But I want you to remember the formula. Jesus died and paid everything for us. And even though times may look dark at times, is it worth it to give? Is the church eroding? Is it becoming irrelevant? Is it even worth it to invest in the kingdom of God? Remember, it says when things are dark, when things didn't look good, what are you called to do? Sing, O barren one. Shout, give, enlarge. Why? Because people who are thirsty are going to be coming. People who don't have money are going to be coming. And you know what they're coming to? They're coming to God because we made space for more of God. Amen? Amen.